Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode with Sprouting Joy. I'm your host, Alzi Robinson, and let's just get into it. So, obviously, as you know, it is the month of February. I'm pretty excited. Uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. A lot of you have plans. A lot of you guys have stuff going on. But in light of the romantic holiday coming up i wanted to do um a love based episode so today is titled let's talk about love but the twist is we're not going to be talking about romantic love we're going to be talking about god's love for us um i think it's a good a good topic to touch on and after the series that they started at my church i was like okay like it's in the spirit to talk about love this month Obviously, it's February, so at least for me, the first thing I think of when I think of February is love, is Valentine's Day. Um, So I wanted to put a little twist on that and just talk about God's love today. Honestly, it shows up in in every day. I don't know about you, but I know that even in the smallest details, I've seen him love me. For example, I like sunflowers, so... I think I've mentioned this story before, but I was in Seattle last year for about a week and I had stumbled across this little beach and I wasn't, that wasn't my intended destination, but I thought it was cool. It was quiet. I had a book with me. So I sat on the rocks and I read my book and I just enjoyed it. It's called Pebble Beach. So I ended up being one of the last ones on the beach. There was maybe like one other person on there. Um, and it was just me and her. She was like diving in the water, but it was way too cold. So I'm just sitting there on the beach reading and in the water, I see something floating and I was like, that's weird. I was like, what is that? So as it comes closer, I realized it's yellow. And I was like, what? I was like, why is there something yellow floating in the water? So I started to take pictures so I could try to see what it was. And as it started to come in closer, I realized it was a sunflower, a a singular sunflower floating in the water. And I kept taking pictures because I'm like, this is wild. There's a sunflower washing up onto shore. And sure enough, it floated all the way to my feet. I picked it up and I took pictures of it because I was just flabbergasted. I was like, how? My favorite flower and it made it all the way from who knows where absolutely untouched. Perfect. Pristine condition. It was a brand new flower. It was fresh and I kept it for the remainder of the trip because after that I couldn't I couldn't take it with me. Obviously, I, I had to go home on the plane, but I kept it with me for the remainder of the trip And I was just in shock that God had done that. And I knew it was God. So that, for me, is just one of the ways that he's shown his love for me. Another way, and not just his love, but his promise for my life, is when I see butterflies. I don't always see butterflies. And you would think that I would come across them more often because of how, I guess, common they are. But I don't always see butterflies. They only appear in necessary conditions where I need to be reminded of God's promise or he's showing me hey I'm with you and this is your sign that I'm with you so butterflies are very significant to me because of that reason Um, they came to me in the hardest of times and 
when I got out of a really dark time in my life, the first thing that I did was paint a butterfly with the word joy under it. And I never realized how significant that was until maybe a week ago when I was having a conversation with a friend. And the book I'm writing is titled Journey to Joy. And butterflies are a big part of it. I don't want to spoil too much about that, but it really blew my mind how God works and how he moves and how he helps us through things, but also how he loves. So I have a passage with me. It's from Hosea. Um, It's literally titled God's Love for Israel. So I'm just going to read it through. Uh, I just want to share a little bit of it. Well, the whole thing. It's not that long, really. So it's coming from chapter 11, Hosea. So Hosea chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away. They sacrificed to the balls and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim how to walk taking them by the arms but they did not realize it was i who healed them i led them with cords of human kindness with ties of love to them i was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and i bent down to feed them will they not return to egypt and will not assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent a sword will flash in their cities it will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans My people are determined to turn from me, even though they call me God Most High. I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. I think that's powerful because even God is like, listen, y'all, you tripping. And I'm about to put you in your place. But, but, I'm not like you guys. I'm not a human. I'm way above you guys. So, I'll have compassion. And I'll forgive. And I won't mess with you guys. And I think it's very, very honest and very transparent and very intimate. And it just shows God as a whole. I can't imagine how many times... He's just been like, yeah, I'm going to restart with her because whatever's going on, it's just, it's not working. We just need a fresh start. Like when Noah's Ark came by in Genesis and he was like, yep, these, we just need to start the whole, the whole race just needs to go and and be redone. Like, I feel like he's thought of that with us before or even just the country before. He's like, yeah, all that needs to go. But he withholds his mighty and strong hand from us because of how much he loves us he gives us more chances than we deserve and he still greets us with open arms when we come back you know this reminds me of the story of the parable son where 
he goes away and spends all of the dad's inheritance that he gave him, all of it, on useless things. And he comes back and he's like, listen, I spent it all. I'm, you know, I'm a loser. I'm a drunk. I have nothing to my name. I have absolutely nothing to give. And the dad's just like, I'm glad you made it home. Like you're here. You made it. And that's what matters. And the oldest son, I believe it's the oldest son, who stayed back and was working really hard, gets jealous. And he's like, well, why are you greeting him after everything he did? Like, I've been here with you and I haven't let you down. And he's like, that's not the point. (laughs) He's like, it's not that I asked you to stay here or that I asked you to be good. It's not about if I asked him to do good or not. It's about the fact that he returned. He came back because he very well could have been in that predicament and stayed and and stayed away from the dad and just been like you know what dad's not going to forgive me like he's not going to receive me with open arms and then been in a far worse situation than if he had just returned home the returning home is a resemblance of the humility and the repentance of us when we come back to god and the father is a symbolism of god when we come back to him and when we repent because he opens his arms and welcomes us back and he's not thinking about oh well you did this and you did that and you did the other the only thing he's thinking is they came back and they're back in my house i think that story is a really faithful reminder of god's love i mean another story we all know it is the story of jesus god's love in you know jesus and everything that jesus did was very present He was there for the woman who was going to be stoned. He was there for Lazarus. He was, you know, the child of a virgin mother. And though many wouldn't expect that, (laughs) and they had to kind of like, I guess, debunk the myths and whatnot because they knew the truth. God knew that that was the only way for Jesus to enter this world, both God and man. And it was perfect. And he was perfect. And while we're not perfect, that doesn't mean that God loves us any less than he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus the same way he loves us. And we're a little ratchet and righteous. So I think that in in spite of all of the chaos that happens around us on a daily basis, and in spite of the times that we mess up and we want to give up because we're not doing well, We just need to be reminded of God's love. God's love is an ocean to us. We are like a fish inside of the ocean. Think about a fish, one singular fish, just one inside of the entire ocean, all of the parts of the ocean connected. That's what we look like in God's love. And to think that there's still more, there's not an end to it. It doesn't end. We don't reach a certain part and then it's like, well, that you reached your free trial. Sign up for the subscription for $9.99 a month. No, it's completely free. All of his love is there for us to grab, to receive, to enjoy, to bask in. And it's free. We have to do absolutely nothing. Just acknowledge that he's all we need and repent. And the thing that this world is lacking the most is God's love. It's lacking God's love. If you look around you, where is the love? 
in Turkey and Syria, obviously this wasn't man-made, but earthquakes happened. And in Ukraine versus Russia, there was the war happening. And just even in the United States, all these um, people wanting to pass these legislations on transgender and I don't know what, all this stuff. Like, where is the love? Where is the love? What is causing people to want to flee from what we know is right so badly? Why do they immediately turn to evil for for validation for a sense of identity and obviously the war is different that's just pride and um, ego and and wanting to overpower everything but just if we just think within the united states of this recent wave of people who just are depressed and anxious and don't know who they are and have no identity. Where is the love? And I'm not saying that God's love isn't present. I'm saying that this world is so choked by the evil and the chaos and just the disgusting, horrible plans of the enemy that there isn't enough love. We aren't putting enough love into the world. And God gives us his love for a reason so that we can go and spread it. And I'm not saying that you guys aren't spreading it or that anyone else isn't. But it's quite prevalent that there's so much missing love in the world. There's not enough love in the world for everything that is going on. The answer to that, I really don't think there is one because we're never going to revert to a perfect and healthy world. That's not that's not how it goes. It's not how it's going to happen. This world is fallen because of the rain and the the ruling of Satan over the world. It's never going to be what we want it to be. So we can't sit here and be like, well, you know, one day it's going to get, no, there is no one day because one day we're going to be with Jesus and, and then we'll be on the new earth. So if you're talking about that, then you're correct, but it's just going to keep going down. And I just see so many videos and so many people talking about it's the end, it's the end times, it's the end times, it's the end of the world, pack your bags, you're going to heaven. And it's so devastating to hear. It's, it's not encouraging at all. I understand they're trying to be encouraging, but it's not encouraging. It's not encouraging. I can't imagine a non-believer hearing the gospel for the first time. The first thing they hear, it's the end of the world. The world is ending. Jesus is coming back. Pack your bags. Repent because you're a sinner. You're going to go to hell. Like, that's not love. That's not how you approach it with love. If that's how the father received the prodigal son, he would have just left and probably been left for dead. At the rate he was going, he would have been left for dead. I mean, he was in the pen with the pigs. And that's how we're treating the world. The world is like the prodigal son. And so as Christians, obviously, we know that the 
stories in the Bible, the prophecies are starting to be fulfilled and they're coming true. And we can have an inkling that we're starting to get closer to revelations, but we can't say, oh, it's going to happen within the next 10, 15 years. It's going to happen within the next two to five years. We have absolutely, it says in the Bible, no one knows the time, no no one knows the time or the day that Jesus is going to come back. Not even the Son of Man knows. Only God knows. So I don't understand why people are like, oh, well, I just had this dream. About no, no. God's not going to give you a dream about nothing. He's not going to tell you when. If if Jesus don't even know, how do you expect an imperfect sinner to know? And I say that because it really upsets me and it bothers me that we as Christians, we're so excited that our place is secured and we're just bragging about how the end of the world is coming and we're going to go to heaven and yada, yada, yada. Instead of being on our hands and knees praying and reaching out to those people who aren't going to be with us when we make it. We're so excited that we got our ticket, we got our boarding pass onto the train, that we're not worried about the other people who maybe didn't even know they needed a ticket. Maybe they didn't even know what a destination looked like. Maybe they didn't even know that there was a train to board and they just thought that this was it. They're on the train to the other side. They're going in the opposite direction as us and we're not even saying anything. We're just celebrating the fact that it's the end of the world and we're excited that we're going to die soon. What? That doesn't sound like love to me. Love sounds like spreading the truth. Love sounds like being out there and doing everything that we can for these people and loving them the way God loved us because we were once on the train to the other side. We once had a ticket to the other destination and Jesus stopped us and said, hey, can I check your ticket? Because that don't look right. Let me switch your ticket. Let me give you a brand new ticket and let me punch a hole in it so that it's 100% secure. Now you're sitting on this train and you're coming with us. And every time we pass by that train, I need you to get down and do what I did for you and stop it and find somebody on there and tell them the truth and tell them that where they're going is not a pleasant place. Where they're going is not good. Where they're going is not fun. And even though the train itself looks like it's a disco party and they got unlimited food and, and drinks and whatnot, their end place is not going to be fun. It's not going to look good. And just because the train we're boarded on is a little bland, it don't got all the colors and the lights and the drinks and the food, it doesn't mean that our destination isn't good. It doesn't matter what the, de what the trip looks like to get there. It matters what the destination is at the end of it. And I just feel like that's what we need to be worried about. Because I've just, I'm at the point where I don't even want to watch TikTok anymore. And that's big because I like to watch TikTok for entertainment. I don't even want to watch it anymore because of all this negativity that's being spewed. Everything about the things that are going on in this world. And yes, we need to be educated on it. But at some point, I don't want to hear about tragedies. I don't want to hear about devastation. I don't want to hear about struggle. I don't want to hear about the end of the world. I don't i'm sorry i don't want to fill my mind with that stuff every single second of every single day and constantly be self-aware that the end of the world is coming i don't i don't i want to see people 
spreading God's love more than ever. I want to see that overpowering the negative. Overpowering. Because God's love overpowers everything else. So why shouldn't it overpower our social media? And if it's not, maybe we need to make a change about it. Maybe we need to start doing something to help that. Because it's getting really, really tiring to see so, so many. And if they're not talking about the end times, they're bickering about what a real Christian looks like. Because the Maverick City went to the Grammys. Like, is this really what, if this is really the end times, is this what matters? Is that what Jesus would be talking about? You think he'd be worried about who went to the Grammys, who sat with who? You think he'd be worried about the fact that he was coming back soon? You think he'd be talking about that? Up until his very last day, even though he knew he was going to get crucified, he was f- doing everything else. Everything else but talking about it. He could have been kicked back the last week and been like, oh, well, actually, I wanted to go see this city. I wanted to go I wanted to go talk to this person. I wanted to go trade this wine. I wanted to go to this wedding before I got on that cross. There's stuff on my bucket list. Did you ever consider my bucket list? No. To the very moment that he took his last breath, he was still, still ministering and still doing what he was called to do on this earth. With the, with the robbers. He was still up there sharing the truth with them. And I can't imagine how painful every single breath that he took was. Every breath he took, he took it with the weight of his entire body being hung on nails. And he still was spreading the gospel. He still was showing God's love. I know I got a little passionate this episode. I just, I felt like that needed to be shared especially with everything going I don't know if your social media look like mine but I'm honest I'm really about to just stop watching TikToks and only use it for the TikToks that I post for my personal business and stuff because it's just getting too much too many people talking about the same thing not enough people talking about God's love in the month of love you think that we would be a little reminded of that but Sometimes, you know, we get a little off track and this is just our reminder to get back on track. And if we're not doing everything we can to bring people to God, then we got to try harder. We got to try harder because we were on that same train. We were headed to the same place and Jesus stopped us. He stopped us dead in our tracks and he said, hey, can I check your ticket? Because that don't that don't look right. That says you're going to hell. But I want you to come to heaven. Wouldn't you want that for your family members? Wouldn't you want that for your friends? For your teachers? For your boss? For the people around you? For that random person that made your drink at the coffee shop and put a smiley face on it? For the librarian that you've gone to your entire childhood? For that one teacher that you grew up with, that you never forgot about, wouldn't you want that for them? So if you want that for them, why don't you want it for other people? And if that's still hard to grasp, 
Think about the world being the parable son. Are we the older brother sneering and snickering and standing over there on the on the side and being upset because people are coming to Christ? Or are we the father and bringing people into God and welcoming them in, even though they might not look perfect on the outside? Just some food for thought. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. It was definitely a passionate one, but I'm very thankful that I got to share it with you guys. I hope you have an amazing week. If you haven't already, check out the first episode of my Proverbs Bible study. It's going to be broken into eight weeks, but into two months. So the first study guide out only has the first four weeks. So don't don't be worried if you're like, um, mine looks a little weird. It doesn't have it doesn't have the the Bible, all the all the chapters in it because it's only broken down into four weeks. So it wasn't too much for you guys. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys. I hope you listen to next week's episode, um, the second week of Proverbs Bible study. I'll see you there.